0: What's good, everybody? Welcome to the third episode of Ask Me Anything, where you get to ask me anything. So before I start, please don't forget to subscribe to the show. It really would help me out a ton because I like doing this and I would like to know if you like me doing this as well. So hit the subscribe button. Thank you very much for that. And let's get into it. Welcome to the Nick Show. Question number one. Dylan wants to know, how do I go about finding a co-packer? So for those of you listening that don't know what a co-packer is, that's essentially a co-manufacturer or a manufacturing partner that you use in CPG broadly. So that's food, cosmetics, beverages, etc. And that is actually the industry standard. It's very rare that companies are vertically integrated, especially when they're startups, right? Because you just don't have that type of capital to deploy and have that CapEx expenditure hit your income statement and your cash reserves. So it is industry standard for the majority of CPG products to have a manufacturing partner. So let's answer his question the first thing you have to know about Co-Packers is that they are notoriously terrible at marketing, meaning that it's pretty hard to find them, actually. There are some industry publications in the forms of magazines. I know it sounds old school, but it really does work. There's baking and snacking and all these different weird sorts of industry publications that you can find in food and beverage and cosmetics as well. The best place to find them probably is LinkedIn. You can also go to places like LinkedIn and find some of your, I wouldn't say competitor products because you don't want a douchebag, uh, but you could go in and find products that are semi similar to what you are doing and then just ask them. Uh, you can find these co packers, they're not too hard to find, but it's gonna take some digging. There isn't sort of like a one platform that you can do it, especially if you're trying to manufacture in the United States, especially if it's food or beverage or cosmetics. There are a lot of places out there though that you can find, but they're also highly specialized, meaning that if you're trying to make a tortilla chip or a face cream or something like that, like that. You're going to want to find somebody that specializes in that because not every chip manufacturer or every eye cream manufacturer is going to have the capabilities you're going to need for your specific type of product. So good luck, Dylan. Uh, Make sure you get a master supplier agreement signed at some point. Another note on co-packers real quick is that oftentimes they're going to require you to pay for about half the product up front because you're a new customer and they basically just don't trust you. Uh, Well, actually, they're just protecting against downside risk and their own liability. So keep that in mind and good Good luck with your search. Okay. Question number two. Do you have any tips on balancing the outdoors combat life and business from Drew? So the big thing here, and I talk a fair bit about this, and admittedly, I'm not that great at it, is sort of finding your balance. I think that At least for me, I get very much addicted to creating things and processes and and things of that nature. And so I do have to pull myself out of those things to keep my head on straight and also to sort of optimize for my business. I think when your head's in the right spot and you do have better balance in your life, your business will benefit from that. So, in terms of the outdoors, I use that as sort of my meditative retreat of sorts. So, I'll just go out into the forest for a week by myself in a backpack and fish and just stay out in the forest and that's what I like to do to sort of recalibrate myself. I live in the city of LA, which is a very hectic metropolitan area, and so it's good to just get away from all that BS. Uh, I would also say in terms of combat and, and life, the life piece... Um, I don't really know what that means. So I'll go ahead and uh, skip the life. But I will say that, in terms of combat, that's one of the things, and, and I guess fitness more broadly, one of the things that I value very much. And I just feel better when I do it. I feel better when I'm doing jujitsu. I feel better when I'm boxing Muay Thai. I feel better when I'm lifting weights and doing deadlifts and all that kind of stuff, or even going for a run in the morning. It really does release tons of positive neurochemicals in your brain that are going to make your brain just sort of function better. So so the answer is, just find what balance is good for you. I do really believe in an exercise regimen, no matter what that is. Yoga, hiking, something. Do something with your physical body, because your mind will thank you for it. Okay, question number three. Um, this isn't a real name. Um, Centurion underscore status says, I've made an app, and I want to sell the technology to Whole Foods. So Whole Foods just got acquired by Amazon in 2017. So if you're trying to sell technology to Amazon, good luck. I would recommend that you go to a smaller retailer, maybe Sprouts or Wegmans or an Infra account, which is sort of all these small natural foods co-ops. If you're trying to sell into an account like that, Whole Foods is just not going to buy your technology. Amazon will. And trying to pitch your business to Amazon to buy is going to be a bit difficult different, or to use, be a bit different than going to one of these smaller natural foods retailers that don't really have very good technology. So there is absolutely a market opportunity for that. I don't know what technology you've created or you're thinking about creating or whatever it is, but I will say that generally speaking, the natural food space is devoid of technological advancement. So good luck with that. Uh, Steer clear of Whole Foods. You're just going to spin your wheels and find some smaller retailers that would be open to that. Question four from David J. Alejandro. What is your current obsession and what past obsessions led you to the biggest growth? My current obsession is designing apparel stuff, which you'll probably find in the show notes. Um, It's a small thing. I I like designing fashion stuff broadly, and it's something that I've done a ton of. I've had a bunch of niche sites that sell t-shirts and things like that, and it's just something that I like to do. So last night I stayed up till 4 a.m. designing some shit. So really it's just for me, I just enjoy the creative process. Broadly speaking, though, I'm just obsessed with with acquiring new skills and creating new stuff, so it doesn't matter if it's fashion or if it's uh, business or if it's painting or a podcast or whatever, I just like to make shit. So that is my current obsession. What is the obsession that led me to the biggest success? Uh, obsessed with being obsessed about stuff, I think. It's just passion. It's, it's digging in and being obsessed with learning new skills and making new stuff, learning new skills and making new stuff. Absolutely, 100% is why I do what I do and while I and that is also why I will continue to climb in the future. I truly believe that. So that is what it is for me. Okay, question number five. We have a curated shopping service for men in Germany. Would love to bring it to the US. Do you have any advice? So curated shopping service for men. So I don't know if this is one of those deals where it's sort of like a trunk club or one of those types of deals, or if it's just a random uh, fashion brand that you've created. In any case, I would say that the German market is definitely significantly different than the the market in the United States. You've seen some brands Brands from outside come in and do very well, H&M, Uniqlo, a few of these brands that have come over and done a good job, whether it's from Asia or Europe, I would caution that you definitely need to understand the American market and sort of American men's fashion. A lot of the fashion trends start in LA and New York, San Francisco, so I would look to those markets first, probably, if you're looking for sort of early adopters, Um And yeah, I I would really pull some consumer insights. There's a decent amount online. A lot of these reports you're going to run into, they're going to want to charge you two grand or five grand or whatever. It's generally not worth it, at least at the stage that you're in. So with that... I would say just make sure you do your research. It wouldn't kill you to maybe just, you know, try it out, get a little taste, get your beak wet, if you will, in the U.S., and just try maybe a smaller scale down version of the service and just see kind of what the, uh, what the feedback is. That's what I would recommend. All right. KS wants to know where are you from and how did you come up with your idea. So, I am from western Nebraska. I grew up in a rural, very, very isolated rural area in western Nebraska, four hours from the biggest major city, so not any sort of strange suburb or something like that. I grew up on a dirt road, no money, the whole deal, I won't get into it, especially if you listen to the podcast, you probably already heard that story before. But, um, yeah, I didn't come from anything, western Nebraska, shouldn't be here, but I am, so... What are you going to do about it? Um, Come up with my idea. So I got a lot of ideas. Um, The biggest thing for me is to write them down. Because if you don't write them down, you're going to forget Oh, and also you can look back at those ideas and then maybe that produces different ideas, better ideas based on the past ideas that you've had. So I keep a paper notebook for this purpose. I also take those ideas and I put them into Evernote. I have a notebook dedicated to bad ideas. So this whole concept that I've come up with is every idea is a bad idea. And in doing that, you sort of get rid of that whole barrier where you think of an idea and then you start self-doubting. It's like, oh, maybe that idea does suck, blah, blah, blah. Well, if you just blanketly assume that all of your ideas are bad ideas, then that gives you sort of the freedom to just come up with as many ideas as you want, and you don't have to be so self-critical about them. So, I have a book of bad ideas. There's a bajillion of them in there, and a lot of them you would probably laugh at, and a lot of them will probably be very good ideas in the future. So, they just come to me. I don't know. I look for market opportunities. You can train your brain in a certain way to look for certain things. So, you know, do you have a personal need for this did somebody else have a need that and they told you, oh, man, I really wish I could do X or I really wish I had Y or it it's something cool that, that you found somewhere that you just can't find anywhere else. And so I would say look out for all those opportunities. And as soon as you train your brain to look for those things, you're going to come up with a lot more of them. Question seven. How did you get started on your business? Oh, what advice do you have to get the ball rolling from Lay- Layla? Layla? Well, we'll say Layla. Um, so, how do I get started on my business? So, I've been starting businesses for a very long time. Even when I was a kid, I used to sell gum out of my locker. I had this little candy business. Uh, I had a name for it and all this silliness. Uh, I also used to paint and sell those paintings at galleries and at shows and things of that nature. I also had a business where I used to make a lot of logos and make websites and do SEO and all this different sorts of stuff. Of course, Barnana and a few other niche things... Uh, Uh, an herbal supplement shop. I've I've started a million different types of businesses. So um, how do you get them rolling? You just do them. Uh, I usually start with the creative piece because that's really what gets the ball rolling for me. It's sitting down and designing and concepting and coming up with the entire brand concept. And that is one of the things that I have found is whichever piece of business, right, whether it's finance or creative or marketing or something that really gets you amped, start with that because that's going to sort of breed the, mo- the motivation and put the ball in motion to keep you going on the idea. So for me, it's creating things, it's designing things, coming up with a concept. Concept, and then building out the financials, and then doing all of the rest. But to get the ball rolling, throw the f- throw the ball. That's all you got to do. Take the ball and you throw it, and then it starts rolling. So I would say, uh, just 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 throw the goddamn ball, Layla. Just throw it and see where it ends up. And you know what? It might end up in a ditch. And if it does that's fine. And if it ends up in a dog's mouth, that's cool too. And it steals your ball, but eventually you're going to roll the ball and then it's going to catch more steam. And then you're going to have something big that you're proud of and stoked on. And you wake up every morning and you're excited to work on it. And that is how it will go. So get out there and uh, do it. Question number eight comes from Alexander. He wants to know, how has exercise impacted your self-improvement? Would you consider it essential? Yes. So, it is absolutely essential. I kind of already answered this, but I'll go a little bit deeper here. So, it's essential for several different reasons. When you exercise, you're going to feel more confident about yourself, your strength, your endurance, your body everything. And also it has this positive feedback loop that feeds your brain good juice. So there's a lot of reasons why exercise is very, very essential. Having a basic exercise routine is great, whether that's running or doing push-ups or pull-ups or or doing something, right? A lot of people come up with excuses. Oh, I don't have time to go to the gym. I'm tired after work. Well, wake up and do 25 push-ups, sit-ups, and burpees. You don't need any equipment to do that. Wake up and just go run for five minutes literally five minutes, just sprint for one minute, and then come back in your house, jump in the shower, get ready for work, and then leave. A lot of it is just excuse making. Um, for me, exercise is, is so, so important. It's not even a negotiable. It's an absolute non-negotiable, period. Because when I think about myself and I think about my life and uh, who is the best human being that I can be, the best human that I can be is somebody who is physically strong, mentally strong, and that I can overcome any obstacles in my path, being it physical or psychological. So for that reason, yes, exercise is absolutely essential. Okay Jogi. Jogi? 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 Some of these names are so so hard to pronounce. So I'm going with Jogi. Um apologies if I mispronounce your name, Jogi uh he, he or she or they or whoever they are says i see you're in forbes 30 under 30 what is the best lesson you've learned when you were first starting yeah um so yeah i was in uh, forbes 30 Under 30 in 2016 and that was super dope uh totally unexpected and what have i learned when i was first starting best lesson god there's just so many lessons there's so many lessons. The biggest lesson is put the damn work in. That's the biggest lesson. Because a lot of people, they'll make up the excuses or, oh, you know, I'm, I'm working at McDonald's and I work eight to ten hours a day and I have a kid and I have a whatever, but I really, really want to do my own thing. Well, guess what? Just make the time. And you'll hear some people talk about this. Gary Vaynerchuk says this a lot. It's like, you stop watching YouTube you know, put down your Netflix account or whatever. And I think the grind is something that a lot of people just don't have, especially those who don't come from a privileged background, like I don't. Uh, You know, you're just gonna have to work with what you got, right? You got dealt a certain deck of cards, so figure it out. That's pretty much what you're gonna have to do here. So I think the best lesson is, A, realize what deck of cards you have, and B, work as hard as humanly possible to get that flush. Is a flush good? I don't know. I don't play poker, guys. But anyway, I I really do think it comes down to hard work and dedication. And if you can solve for those two things and just make sure you stay on the path and you don't put one foot off of it, then you'll eventually get to where you're going. Uh, All right. Last question from Push. Love the name Push. Uh, How lonely does the journey get? Family and friends. Are they distant? Uh, Okay. So, you know, I'm, I'm always real on this podcast. You guys know that. I don't like to filter myself in any way, shape, or form, or lie to you. So I will get real with this one. So, yeah, they are distant. My family and friends are distant. And that is actually um, a negative externality that I've created in my life because of sort of the motivation that I have to be the best human being that I possibly can. And so oftentimes what I'll tell myself, I'll say, you know, if you can just crush it and just, and just grind and put your nose down and, and, and achieve all these great things, then I'll be able to make time for friends and family later. And, that is true to an extent, but it's also not, right? Because you're living right now. And tomorrow, a meteor could just smash through my ceiling and murder me and everybody else around me. And, um, you know, and and so life is short. And you got to prioritize friends and family. I have not been particularly good at it, although that's something that I am actively working on. I don't have a ton of family in general, so that really hasn't been much of an issue for me, but in terms of my friends, yeah, you know, I have some people that I consider my best friends, like my five best friends. I don't get to see them as often as I, I wish I did. And I've been more intentional about trying to reach out to them and, and do things. And that's something that's new for me. It's something that I've deprioritized because, you know, I was in such a, a, a shitty situation in life when I was younger. And, and, you know, the only way that I knew how to get out of it was, was just to grind as hard as possible and just keep your, keep your nose to the grindstone and do, and do all the stuff. And, um, And it's worked out for me. It has. It definitely has. And it's definitely worked out in terms of getting new awesome friends, but you have to water the plants, right? Like, yeah, you, you you can get some cool plants and if you don't water them, they're going to die. And the same is true for friendships. You got to make sure that you're maintaining those things and showing those people that you care about them and do fun and cool, interesting experiences with them. It's so, so, so important. And, you know, I'm sort of talking to myself and giving myself advice on this front more so than I'm even giving it to you. But yeah, it Does get lonely, people do become distant. And, you know, sometimes, depending on where you're at, that might be a sacrifice you have to be willing to make. Like, I had to be willing to make that sacrifice at a certain point in my life because if I didn't, then I wouldn't be here, right? But once you get there, or you get out of the, the worst, right? You, you get out of the worst situation, then it's time to flip that on its head and really make sure that you have deep, meaningful relationships with the people around you that matter to you most. Wow, that was a really good question for the last one. Um, So, I hope you enjoyed that. This was a short episode. These are the questions that you ask me. So, I hope you enjoyed it. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Please, please, please press the subscribe button right now. Look at your phone. Unlock that thing with your face or your thumb or whatever creepy technology they invent next. Your retina reading. I don't know what's going on. Just press subscribe. And if you have the opportunity to rate this thing on Apple Podcasts five stars and write a little review. All it has to say is like, great job, dude. Keep it up. Uh, that would really be awesome because I just hope that people enjoy listening to this thing. I really do want it to be helpful for a lot of people. And I really do want to give back and, um, sort of spread all the knowledge that that I never was exposed to growing up in a place where there was no knowledge to be had. So anyway, um, uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions for me, you can head over to slash AMA. The link will be in the description of this podcast. Just click that thing, put your message in there with your question, and I'll answer it on the very next episode. So until next time, I'll chat at you guys then. Peace. Welcome to the Nick Ingersoll Show. <laughs>